Well, good morning, everyone. Well, I know we had quite an eventful week, especially for those that live in Shawnee. We have a handful of people here that do live in Shawnee, and then there were some that I thought lived and found out that they don't live in Shawnee, so, but that's okay. I'm glad uh, everyone's safe. Uh, had a little bit of damage. I know Eileen had some, and then others, and had even debris in their homes from this mess, but anyway, we're all safe and sound, and we're here today in the house of God, to hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, have anybody here, other than me, ever asked, God, is, is that you? Hey, not just me, good. Or you think, are you trying to tell me something? I, I have been in that situation more often than not. And uh, What's strange, though, is that when I look back at all those times, the times it seems like when I've got the most, that's not very good English, is it? Whenever I got the clearest answer, is usually when it was something in a way of serving God. Not necessarily something that was just I was wanting or I thought I needed. It was usually in a way of serving. But I haven't always got clear answers. And uh, so today I'm going to share some questions that might help you in the future if, if something comes up again and you think you're hearing from God, but you're really not sure if that's His voice or not. And you know, it's extremely important that we are sure of that. And we're going to find out even more, and I'm going to share some things later to, to show how important and why it is so important that we're sure that it is God. Uh, before I get too carried away, though, I do have to give credit where credit's due. Not all of this today is from me because I'm not that smart. Uh, a lot of it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then also some of the uh, online, I did a lot of research. Rick Warren was a good help with me on this subject. And uh, there was another uh, lady by the name of Whitney Hopler. I've never heard her, but I will tell you now, there, if you want to do a study, and uh, there, there's so much out there on hearing the voice of God and ways to help us learn and to, uh, to uh, become better listeners. So I encourage you that after today, you know, to check into that and see what you think. All right. How many voices do you have in your head? Wait, don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that. That's probably a loaded question. Okay, well, I'm going to answer this for you. We all have, <clears throat> excuse me, we all have three voices in our head. Ourselves being one. God, or the Holy Spirit, is two. Now, the scary part is the third one. And that's Satan, okay? That's the three voices that we can have on our that we do have on our heads, in on, in our heads. So that's why it's so important that we know who's talking to us. God, He may choose one of many different ways to communicate with us, and that oftentimes is uh, depends on the situation that we're in at the time. You know, the circumstances, it depends on uh, even the time, maybe the time of the day or the times that we're in, but mostly the circumstances. Uh, you may say, sometimes hear from God in, in amazing, miraculous ways, like through angels, visions, um, or just miraculous events. You know, we see God work through those all the time. If you, if you, some of the stories we've already heard from the tornado, uh, God, Work miracles. 
But more often times, we hear from God through our thoughts, or just ordinary practices such as reading our Bible, through prayer, or even when we visit with fellow Christians. Um, God uses dramatic means, though, sometimes to get our attention, uh, especially when necessary. But, but His goal, now this is a really cool part right here. Now listen close to this. Don't miss it. His goal is for you and I to be so closely connected to Him that you will pay attention whenever He speaks to you. That's His goal for us. So closely connected. Well, that brings up questions like, well, then what can interfere with that connection? Or what can we do to improve that connection? Those are all some things we're going to try to hit on. So I got a lot of stuff to cover. And Jesse said, ideally 20 minutes, but I'm sorry, but that's probably not going to happen. But I think we're going to be around 30, but I don't do my best, but I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit's got everybody so excited that you'd be fine if we stayed here for an hour. But let's see what happens. Um, yeah, we all, we all, it's true, we, all, we should be full because we had a good breakfast this morning, and thank you for that. Um, but oftentimes when He does speak to us, and I've heard people say this, and you might think, this, what is a, a description of it is a small, still voice, Okay. Oftentimes, that's really when we hear from Him. But it can be many others. I, I've heard of people having blurred vision, different things to where that cause that person to focus on one thing at a time that got their attention. Or he could talk to however He needs. So don't limit ourselves, okay? Hearing from God's voice starts with a desire. It's a desire in our heart. We have to have a desire to draw closer to Him. That's how that communication grows and how it continues is that desire. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of like our marriages. If, if I haven't spent so much time with Kathy back 41 years ago when we met, I'm not that old. She is, but I'm not. Okay, <laughs> she, just, she just carries it better than I do. But if we didn't spend time together, we would have never gotten to know each other. And we certainly wouldn't have fallen in love. And we wouldn't have got married two years later. Now this would have happened if we didn't begin that form of communication. Get to know each other. And I guarantee you that without communication and without sharing and listening and time spent together, we wouldn't know each other as well as we do. We wouldn't be able to understand when each other's upset, even without any words said. We wouldn't understand a need. And we have to communicate constantly in order to keep that relationship going. Matter of fact, I talk sensuous to her all the time. I say, Kathy, since you was up, would you bring me another bottle of water? And she's sweet enough that she brings it to me. So, but relationships are important. Um, years ago, when our two kids, Casey and Tyler, they're grown now, when when they were little kids, if we were 
out at the park or Blackberry Festival or fairground somewhere there was a lot of crowd you know sometimes kids can can get out of way pretty quick or you can see them heading that way but you may not be able to I had a certain whistle I could whistle no kidding they would stop turn around and look at me or they would say if I couldn't we're in Walmart or somewhere and they're in another aisle and they're short they can't see they'll say I'm over here and uh, one time we were somewhere and I remember the kids telling me this uh I was in one part of the store, Kathy and the two kids were somewhere else, and Kathy heard a whistle. And not that Kathy and aren't communicated, but the kids were so in tune to the whistle that it wasn't my whistle. And but Kathy didn't know, but the kids said, No, that's not Paul, that's not his whistle. They knew my whistle, but from anybody else's, no matter where we were, or what whistle it was, or who it was, they knew mine. And that's because of the, the closeness and the love and the communication and the time that we spent together that's the reason why they knew that gotta look at my notes so i don't get too off track here um so once again the best thing we can do to hear god's voice more clearly is to continually that word continually is pretty important to get to know him through prayer scripture and fellow Christians, time spent with them. Remember earlier I mentioned there were three things. It wasn't that long ago. Three things, three voices in our head. Can anybody tell me what those three were? Do you remember? We'll say, what? Right, no, I don't want to hear your voice. Oh, you you hear, yeah, okay, right. Ourselves? What? God? Okay, that's the three voices. Well, I'm going to share with you some questions, like I said earlier, that might help. If you haven't already, if you open up your bulletin, you will find that our sweet, sweet secretary, sorry, Lord. <laughs> no, she, she, made, she wrote those up. She typed them off for you. So there's a list in there of the questions that I'm going to be sharing with you today. Um, take those home with you. Keep them. Set them beside the bed or just memorize them. It might help you in the future, like I said, if you get uh, some thought or something in your head. So the first question, we've got to move along. I'm going to get too much time. Does it agree with the Bible? Now, God will never, never, never. Did I say never? I think I did. Yeah, he will never contradict the word. Okay. He never. The Bible is his word, and he will never contradict that. One of my favorite Bible scriptures is Isaiah 40, verse 8. And it says, and I think it, it really puts things in perspective, okay? It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. His word lasts forever. It'll never change It'll never get old, never outdated. It lasts forever. But unlike the flowers, or for that goes anything else in this earth, the Word will never fade. Everything else we see here today, there will be a day that it will probably be gone, including ourselves. Life's temporary on earth. But His Word lasts forever. So He will never change what is in the Scripture. It's good then, and it's, it will always be good. Let me give you an example. Here lately, God's been telling me that I need to quit paying taxes. 
But I, I want to make sure it's him, so I'm going to go to the Scripture and I'm going to find out if what God says about that. And actually, there is a verse, and if you look up, up in Matthew 22, verse 17, a little bit of context of this Scripture. This is The Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus, okay? They're trying to trick Him into saying something that incriminates Himself, give them a reason to hang Him on the cross. But they asked, they said, tell us, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? That's what they're asking Jesus. Now there's some discussion that happens after that. And in verse 21, Jesus, this is His answer. He says, so give what is Caesar to Caesar, and to God what is God's. So the bad news is we have to pay our taxes. Okay? So that is kind of a silly example, but it, but yet it, it, it tells you that if, if I were to come up with that idea and I thought, really did think it was coming from God, it's not coming from God, okay? Because it goes against His Scripture. It goes against His Word. Let's say I had a thought, well, somebody hurt me. Physically, whatever, they hurt me, and I'm thinking I want to get back at them. All right, I'm thinking I, I even we all know that's not of God, but again, it's just an example. Well, maybe I, I want to go get back at them, see what can do. But you look at the word, and it tells us, you know, how to love our neighbors and treat them as we would want to be treated. It doesn't mean actually the person living next door to us, that means everybody in the world. Everybody, if we're at Walmart and I'm going to say Lowe's. I don't give Walmart any more credit. So let's, anyway, we were at Lowe's. Somebody standing beside us. Guess what? They're our neighbors at the moment. We've got to treat everybody that way. We've got to treat them as we want to be treated. So, we, so moving along. Question number two. Does it make me more like Christ? Okay. Well, Jesus should be the standard to every idea, every thought, or behavior, opinion, or even fads. You know, way back in the 1990s, in the mid-90s, those of you that were around, these bracelets came out. And the WWG, which actually that's an excellent question, what would Jesus do? I knew or I expected when they came out it, would, it was more of a fad for some people, and it was. But I'll tell you, I don't wear it because I'm anybody special. I assure you that. I wear it as a reminder that I need to be more like Jesus and, and a lot less like me as the one, there's a song out that I love that speaks of that. That's all it is, is for me as a reminder. But anyway, it's an excellent question. Does it agree with the Bible? Most of us here, we understand that you know, Scripture tells us, and it even shows us through some examples, the character of Jesus. You know, He's love, He's grace, joy, peace, goodness, self-control, patience, and that's just to name a few, and it goes on forever. But actually, there's some Scripture, and it's James chapter 3, 13 through 17, and it helps us with understanding uh, some certain behaviors and where they might come from. Let's read what it says in James it says, who is wise and understanding among us, or among you? Let them show it, be, 
let them show it by their good life. Deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, look at this, such wisdom, it does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. All right, Scripture's telling us right there that all those behaviors, that, that's not of God. Let's continue, see what else is. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wow. But the wisdom that comes from heaven. All right, this is the part. This is the good part. First of all, it's pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Those are some of the behaviors that we should be uh, following those last ones. So, another little example. Let's say I, I decide I want to buy a new truck or, or house or buy me a new dress and some shoes to match. But I'm doing it because I want to show off or get people's attention. That's not of God. Those thoughts did not come from God because it tells us right here the type of character He is and we are supposed to mimic that as humanly possible. Question number three, does my church family confirm it? Well, as a Christian, our church family is and should be extremely important to us. Ray was talking in Sunday school today about the people we surround ourselves with and how most of his friends are church family. You know, and that's a good thing. Not that you shouldn't have friends otherwise. Quite frankly, we should have others too so we can help spread the word and share the gospel with them. But uh, we want to surround ourselves with Christian people and help with those situations. Uh, even when we hear those voices again that we're not 100% sure, we can also go to our church family and ask for prayer and thoughts on that and guidance, okay? Our church family is very important. And, and I will tell you, to me, it's, it's kind of like my marriage. Uh, I feel led to be at this church. I feel called to be here, and it's for a reason, and, and it's to serve. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's not what I necessarily want to do. But that's a calling. And sometimes in our marriage, we, we not much anymore. But when we were younger, we'd have disagreements, you know. And, and sometimes marriage isn't always fun. You know, we don't always agree with each other. But we don't quit and we don't give up on it. And that's what God expects for us as a church family is to never quit or give up on each other. Even if they hurt, you are hurt by someone in the church. Remember, we're all humans. We're not Christ. That's why we're here. It's because we will learn how to become more like Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. His intent, and it's God, so God's intent was to now, now, I'm sorry, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known 
to the rulers and authorities in a heavenly realm. Well, this scripture we find that Paul, he's, he's telling us basically that there is wisdom throughout. Manifold is to, uh, I think a manifold on a car engine, that's exactly what it does. You know, it, it, it brings in, you know, the intake manifold brings fuel in and it spreads it to the proper places. And then there's exhaust manifold. It does the opposite. It brings out and then it, it sends it out and again brings it down into one pipe. But the point he is saying is that in a church family, there's wisdom here to be tapped into and that it's manifold in. It could be manifold into one direction and to you if at that point in time you've got some prayer you're needing. Everybody, people can pray for you together. They can manifold all that prayer and that wisdom in to help you clarify, God, is that you I'm hearing from? Godly relations with other Christians are so important. Let's look at Proverbs 11, verse 14. The lack of guidance, a nation falls for the lack of it. So you don't have that guidance. But victory is won through many adversaries, advisors. You know what? I've done this all week. I will but tell you the truth. I read over this, and I've read over it multiple times, and every time I keep that, and Lord, please don't let me say adversaries today. So maybe there's a reason, because there's a big difference between the two. So uh, the reason is that we learn how important it is to use the correct word, like a door and a bore. I learned years ago. You don't want to get those two confused. I, I bore you, Lord. No, you don't want to say that. It's the opposite. But anyway, we get it. So advisors, we need to have many advisors. Scripture, again, we're finding that it's wise if we go to Christian, especially if we have a tight-knit Christian group. Those are the ones. I'm not saying you come and stand up here and you share to the whole world, but you should have people in your group, in your network, that could give you that Christian advice and, uh, and be your advisors, not adversaries. Okay, moving along. Ch uh, fourth question. Is it convicting rather than condoning? I like this one. I really do. Uh, I learned a lot as I was studying this portion of it. The Holy Spirit's message will always, kind of like God, you know, earlier we're saying he, His Word will never go against, He will never go against His Word. Holy Spirit is God, the Trinity, God. So the same thing, the Holy Spirit, if you feel the Holy Spirit's leading you, it will never go against God's Word. It will never go against the Bible. But conviction, it comes from God. And basically, He's saying that we need to change something in our life. Okay, the purpose of conviction is to steer us in a different direction. Uh, it's conviction is not, or it is, get tongue tied. I'm sorry. Conviction is of God, and it's to help steer us in the right direction. And it comes from His love. The same as again with our children, those of His children. 
when you convict them by getting on to them, that's done out of love. You're directing them, trying to get them back on the right path. And it's so important. And that's how God is. You'll see up there on the board, conviction comes from God up on the and exposes what is wrong and the needs to change. Condemnation, that's totally different. And guess who it comes from? It doesn't come from God. Condemnation comes from Satan. Condemnation is not a love. It makes us feel like we're walking around in a cloud of guilt. And I was, as I was studying this, I got to think, I don't know why, I was reminded of the of uh, Charlie Brown, you know, uh, Pigpen, if you, those, those old or young enough to remember Charlie Brown, Pigpen walk around oftentimes with, in a cloud of dirt or, you know, you can see stuff swirling around. That's what Satan wants for us, guys. He wants us to walk around like we feel like we've got a cloud of conviction just all around. See, I'm getting my words mixed up again. I apologize. Condone. He wants us to feel like we're having condemnation just all over us. Again, conviction is from God, and it's out of love. Condemnation is of Satan, and his purpose is to misguide us, to think we are not worthy of God's love. That's what he wants. He wants us to feel guilty, because if we're walking around feeling guilty, we're not going to be able to hear God because we're just, again, we're sad. We're thinking of ourselves and the, the, the situation that we're in. And Satan continues to do that. And matter of fact, in Revelation 12, I didn't share that scripture, but in that, if, if you read that chapter, Satan is referred to as the accuser. All right? He makes accusations. And most of the time, they're not true. He wants us to believe that we're not worthy. He wants us to believe that we're a bad person, that we're a bad individual, and, and that we shouldn't be in church or we shouldn't do this. But that's Satan. That's not God. Remember, Satan condemns, God convicts. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 1. It reads, <clears throat> Therefore, there is no condemnation. Whoa, look at there. Kind of, for those who are of Christ. So those who are Christians, there's no condemnation. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, none. Zero. God never attacks our feelings. So if you're feeling attacked, or you're feeling that you're less of individual than you are, that's not of God. That's coming from Satan. Because that's what he wants you to believe. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 19, this is Jesus, and he says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Goes along with what I was saying earlier. When God speaks to us, if, if he's convicting us, it's because he loves us. So it's a good thing if you think about it. It's, it's bad in a sense that you earn that conviction. But it's good because it's coming from God and he's doing it because he loves you. Unlike Satan. 
Satan is here to kill, steal, and destroy. There's another difference between conviction and, and condemnation. The good part is conviction goes away. When? After you repent. That, again, is a purpose of conviction. It's to steer us in the right direction and lead us and push us and guide us toward that repentance. When we go to God and we repent for our sin, conviction's gone. So it, you could kind of say that the timeline that we feel that conviction, it's up to us. If we're convicted about something we don't repent, let's say we go, I go five days feeling convicted. I mean, without repenting, well, guess what? I'm going to feel convicted for five days. If I go five years without repenting, I'm going to feel conviction for five years. It's up to us. God's got it there. He's available. All we have to do is repent. Question number five. Do I sense God's peace about it? I've heard fellow Christians oftentimes, and I've used this, I just have a peace about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. Wow. God's not a God of disorder. It's right there, plain, black and white. So if you're confused about an idea or impression in your mind about if is it God or who is it speaking to me, if there's confusion involved, it's not God. Now, don't get confusion, though, mixed up with unsure. Sure, we're going to be unsure at times. And all that means is we need to spend more time praying for His clarity and be patient. Sometimes that's a big part of answered prayers is patience. Knowing because God, He's the perfect God. He knows when we need what we think we want or if we even need it but he also knows every one of our needs and the proper time for it. So don't get the two confused. Uh, there is confusion, but then there's unsurety. Confusion is of Satan. You know, God, like I said, he is a perfect God. He wants us to, uh, to understand. Just again, I keep using kids, but it's such a good example because we are God's children. If your children are confused about something, what are you going to do? You might get down, you might get down on one knee so you can get down to them, you know, eye to eye. Just so you can show to them that you're not any bigger or better than them. That goes a long way with people, especially children. You might use a different tone of voice when you speak to them to try to explain that to them. But you're going to do everything you can to make sure they're clear on the instructions that you gave them. And God is the same way. He wants us to be clear. I, well, I got to admit something, though. Sometimes, you know, I, I always did. We, we always tried to make sure the kids understood. But there were times, you know, and they'd say, well, why about that hundredth million time? And I was probably guilty of saying, well, because I said so. This would be done. But sometimes I think maybe that's 
God tells, says that to me sometimes because I said so. Okay. All right. I'm going to share something with you, and I've been dreading this all week, and I'm already getting choked up, and it ticks me off at myself when I get choked up because I want to be able to speak clearly. But I'm going to give you a personal example of confusion. Uh, all right, come on, Lord, I've got to be able to say this. I served on our, I had a privilege, and I'm going to say that, not that I want to do it again, but if God calls me, I guess. But I had the privilege of serving on our last pastor search committee. And I'm going to get off my notes for a second. I'm going to share this real quick. I just want everybody to understand, you know, we're in a situation without a pastor, and it's only been a little over a year, but I will tell you this. There's a lot I don't understand about that situation, but one thing I do know 100% is that Daniel was called to this church. I don't know for how long or, or, or any of the whines or anything else, but I know 100%, and I have the peace, and every person on our pastor search committee had that peace that he was called here. I have a lot of questions myself, and I don't understand the whole situation, and I may not ever, but what I do know is he was called here. And so we were obedient to God, and now our, now our obedience is to move forward and to trust in him. So, all right, back to my, I don't even, I'm not sure where that came from. That wasn't part of my idea to share, but... Um, so well, anyway, I, I had the privilege of serving on our last pastor search committee. And something to everybody needs to understand, when applica applications come in, we put a number on them. So the first one comes in, they get a number one, and it's all in chronological order. The reason for that is at the early stages of this process, it's easier to say, well, hey, let's go, let's take another look at number five. Because we can't memorize all of their names at this point. So that's the purpose. Now that you understand that part of the process, <clears throat> I was led toward, and I just kept having this one particular number pop in my mind early on in this process. And every time we would meet, and... Uh, I kept on and on, and I just felt early on that God was leading me toward this one particular individual. By that name, kept coming up in my mind every time I would pray, uh, read, you know, read through the applications, or when we would have our meetings. It was always there. So early on, I thought, okay, I guess maybe this is the guy. But not one single person on the committee felt the same way that I did. So that was confusing. And it was hard. It really was. Because here, I will tell you, some of you might have heard me say this. We have one God, and that's it. One true God that we serve. So guess what? When we're looking at all these names, there can only be one correct answer. Because there's one God. So if we're praying, we should all have the same answer from God because we have one. And so it was really, really difficult for me 
to keep having that same number and nobody else having that number. Well, to make matters worse, I looked at this individual's Facebook and I seen some red flags. I'm like, whoa, you're are you, okay. Now I'm really getting confused and even more upset. Another week or two goes by. Ray was very patient with me. I know he was a little bit concerned because I will tell you this, I can be stubborn. And <laughs> but I will I will tell you though, if if I feel God is calling, I won't sway from it and I'm not patting myself on my, I'm just saying I've learned a hard way. That's the reason I've learned a hard way in my past. So I'm sticking with the number because I don't know any different at this point. But it, the confusion starts adding up and starts coming more and more and more. And I begin to worry about it. And I begin to stress over it. And obviously it still bothers me. Bothers me. And... uh Continued praying, God, I need clarity here. Something's not right. And three o'clock in the morning, one morning, I woke up and I felt like God was wanting to say something to me, but I didn't know what. So I started began praying. What is it? God, are are you is it you? You know? That's the question. Is it you? And Matthew chapter 4 came to mind. All right, some more context I have to tell you now before I go on into that scripture. I have a terrible memory. I struggle with memorizing names and scripture. And it's embarrassing to me that I have so little scripture memorized, but that's me. But oftentimes I find out that I can use that to show that it was God working and not me. Because I didn't have a clue what was in Matthew. And that popped in my head. So I opened up my, well I was at, not opening my Bible, but I grabbed my phone which was right beside my bed. And I wanted to see, well what is Matthew chapter 4? So I start reading through the chapter and this is a chapter where Satan is talking to Jesus. And he's trying to tempt him. And he's lying to him. And my immediate thought was, well, what does this have to do with, with our pastor search committee? So I quit reading it. And I set the phone down and I lay my head back down on a pillow. And I pray some more. Lord, I don't understand. But then the light bulb came on. And what God was trying to tell me was, He was showing me. That it wasn't God putting that number in my head. It was Satan. He was causing all this confusion. I was scared to think that Satan was that close to me. It bothers me today. 
But guess what? I was very happy that God loved me enough to wake me up and say, hey, look, this confusion, this isn't from me. This is coming from Satan. So that number you've been hearing and the reason why you're seeing these red flags, that's not from me. That number was coming from Satan. I was so glad that God woke me up that night. Literally, He woke me up in that situation. I was very thankful for that. So, yes, when confusion starts, not unsurety. Again, I want to make sure you understand. I was, it wasn't that I just wasn't sure. It got to a point where I was literally confused. Why? Red flags, why? So if you have something in your mind or a thought and you're not sure, if there's confusion like that, I'm telling you, it's not coming from God. It's coming from Satan. So to answer that question, do I have a peace about it? I didn't have a peace about it through that, but once I heard from God and He woke me up, I most definitely had a peace about it and that the answer was no on that particular number. Sometimes God allows pressure in our lives, okay? And again, not to be confused with condemnation, but He'll allow pressure. Sometimes when we ignore God's uh, guidance or the Holy Spirit, He will allow the Holy Spirit to put pressure on us. And that's, again, out of love. That's an effort uh, to guide us the right direction and so we can become more like Christ. But as long as we're following God and obeying His direction, we can and we will have peace in our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it tells us, The Lord is nearby. Do not feel anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, the peace of God, with trans which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those questions, it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's going to guarantee that it, but, well, I don't know. I feel confident that these questions can help in the future. So hang on to them. And uh, and remember, especially the confusion part, I think that was the most important thing for me, how Satan, you know, one of the things that I felt afterwards, see, that I thought, well, if if Satan is brave enough to tempt Christ, okay, and to lie to him, well, well, he certainly could do it to me. I'm I'm nothing compared to Christ. So what a question. What a good question. Be closing here in a few minutes. There may be a Christian here today who hasn't heard from God in a long time. Or maybe his voice is just a little fuzzy. Well, I can tell you, 
that it's not because he's not there, it's not because he's not listening, but it's because of something that you or I have done that caused interference with that relationship with God. The difficult thing is that generally that something is usually sin. It could be a form of a habit. It could be a hurt where someone hurts you and you want to get them back, kind of like what I talked about earlier. It, uh, it could be that you've gotten caught up in gossip. Uh, it could be that you're looking at inappropriate things. All these things can, can build a wall. All right. They can build a wall between us and God, and it's so important that we don't allow that to happen. The only thing that tears those walls down is repentance. It's God. So if you're not having, if uh, if if you haven't really heard from God a long time, or it's just, you've just had that confusion, it's probably time to change that. The good news is that our, our God is loving and kind and gracious God, and that He offers us that opportunity for repentance. Conviction leads us to repentance, and repentance allows us that peace of mind. So, do you need to restore that communication between you and God today? If you do, here in a few minutes, there's going to be a time you can come up and pray and restore that. It needs to be done today, not tomorrow. Don't put it off, because that's exactly what Satan wants. The longer he can get you to put it off, the more he has you in his hands. Now, some of you, you may not have ever heard God's voice, and most likely that's because you're not a Christian. And if so, what I want you to know is that God loves you very much. And that he wants a relationship with you today and every day. And if you're feeling a tug on your heart today, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to guide you and in, in, uh, in the direction that He knows is what's best for you. So I encourage you today, if you're feeling that tug, that after we have prayer, come down and, and we would be happy to pray with you if you would like. Uh, if everybody would stand... And I will have some prayer. <laughs> Father God, we come to You this morning thanking You for the opportunity to be here today and to study Your everlasting Word. We praise You because You're worthy. And I ask that each one of us would grow so close to you that when you whistle, we'll stop, turn, look at you, and say, I'm here, God. Amen.